friends, welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. I am so happy and joy-filled today because I have a very special guest that I'm just like thinking is a secret sauce. She is an amazing woman of God, and her name is Holly Christine Hayes. She's the founder and CEO of Sanctuary Project, a survivor-run nonprofit social enterprise employing and empowering women who've survived lives of trafficking, violence, and addiction in Austin, Texas. Holly was rescued out of the life of trauma more than 19 years ago and knows the path to recovery can be long and rocky, and her vision and leadership create a safe place for other survivors to grow in practical skills, unleash their creativity, embrace their femininity, and heal their hearts, all in community with other survivors. Holly, woohoo! I'm so happy you're here, and like I said to my friends, little secret sauce here, I mean, like I said to you earlier too, I did not know about you and I'm so excited to get to know you and to know the work that you're doing. And I just wanted to talk to you today and share who you are with all the people that I know. So how are you doing well, today? You. I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I knew about y'all, so this is exciting for me because I've been a fan of your ministry for quite a while. So I'm really- Oh my gosh, here. are you serious? Yeah. Okay, so this is this is so crazy. So, um, woo, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Well, I'm a hooker for Jesus, so of course I knew about your ministry. <laughs> Fishers of people, I mean, I'm right? A former, former. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and now and now a fisher of people, hooker for Jesus. So yes, I I just love what y'all are doing. You know what? I saw your picture and your photos and, you know, the poses. And uh, I saw you on film too because I was looking up things because I wanted to get to know you. And I was like, this woman is so beautiful. And mm -hmm. I was just really touched by the peace and just the, the beautiful way that you are. Just I could tell that you have arrived in a place where you can really do you know, where you know God's brought you to, like you can really mm -hmm. be who God called you to be. Can you kind of unwrap that? Like, how did this all start? Like what happened to you to get you in this vulnerable place of eventually becoming trafficked in your life? Yeah, I love that you said that, you know, before we, before we uh, started recording, Annie and I were talking about, uh, she said something like, oh, you don't, you don't even look like you were trafficked. And I always love that. It's, it's probably my favorite compliment because I do think God has done such a work in my heart and my life of healing. And we'll get more into that, I'm sure. But, um, but I came out of a life of trafficking, violence and addiction 20 years ago. Um, I fell into that life through a combination of circumstances. There was some sexual abuse in my childhood, which imprinted on me at a very young age that my sexuality was what was uh, valuable about me. And, uh, and that sexual trauma was something I carried and didn't even know I was carrying into my young teen years. And, um, and you know how guys love a girl with all kinds of sexual trauma, especially when you add alcohol and, <laughs> and drugs to the mix. And so, um, so I, uh, so I ended up in a really promiscuity, uh, a really promiscuous life from, uh, from that time and um, from a really young age and, and just thought that was my identity. Again, I thought that was all I was worth. And that was reiterated 
validated and um, and actually like confirmed by society and by the people I was around at the time. And uh, and for me, my parents got divorced when I was 13, 14 years old. And so that was around the same time I started drinking and using drugs and the same time I became sexually active. And so that combination of that sexual trauma and that divorce and then uh, I believe a predisposition toward alcoholism and addiction, all those things just created this um, this perfect storm of chaos in my life. So I, I was drinking and using drugs every day by the time I was 15. Um, I dropped out of high school at 16 so I could use wow. full time. What kind and of then, drugs were you uh, using, by the way? So for me, it started with alcohol and marijuana, and then we started snorting stuff. So um, right. I remember the first time the first time I started snorting things was it was like mini thins, like they were like these. It was like these little pills that truckers would use to stay up at night um, because yeah. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be one of those people who gets into coke and meth, and they're like the real they're the real screw ups. Um, you know, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll just snort like Ritalin and Adderall, Adderall and, and many things. And, um, but it wasn't long before I was like, oh, I might as well try Coke. And then, um, and then when I couldn't get Coke, we would, we would snort meth. And, um, and then when I couldn't, when I didn't want to snort it because it was like too sticky or whatever, then we would smoke it. And, and so it just progressed. And so right. by the time I, by the time I was 15, 16 years old and dropped out of high school, I was, I was using all, I was doing everything, everything but heroin. I never liked heroin. It made me just like want to pass out in a corner. <laughs> um, but, uh, but every other drug um, I could get my hands on, I was doing. So a lot of meth, a lot of ecstasy, um, a lot of, a lot of psychedelics. And um, this was the nineties and I was a rave girl. So we were, you know, we were, we were doing all the rave drugs, um, special K and, and right. Um, yeah. And were, yeah. Were they, were they doing any burning men down where you were living? Cause in, in Vegas, they had this thing called the burning man. They still have it. I don't know about COVID now, but uh that's where they do all those crazy psychedelic type of drugs. Yeah. Burning Man didn't even exist yet. I mean, I'm telling my age right now, but, um, <laughs> you know, Burning Man wasn't even a thing yet. This was like, you know, this was like early nineties, mid nineties rave scene. So, um, so yes, I mean, I, I think that whole rave culture in San Francisco, cause I grew up in San Francisco and that whole rave culture in the nineties really birthed that whole like Burning Man culture and everything that is today. But, um, but this was really the seeds of it. And, and at first it was fun. You know, at first I was, at first I was, um, I, I, I was the life of the party and I was, and I felt better, you know, I had, right. I had all this trauma I was carrying and all this anxiety and fear and depression and I felt better. And so I thought drugs were the answer and then, and then it was better, but with problems. And so I was like, well, the consequences are worth it. I sure I get arrested every now and then, and sure there's a rape here and there and sure I have a car accident here and there, but it was all worth it because I was feeling better. And right. then ultimately it just kept, you were a happy high. You had a happy high, yeah. in other words. So in that's how I was when I was on narcotics. Man, I was like, yeah. this is awesome. I feel like I love, did you feel like you loved like everybody? Like I felt like yes. I was injected with love. Like I was like, I love everybody. You're awesome. You're amazing. What are you doing? Let's go yeah. party. Like what, did it feel like that? Like you just wanted, to, and were you the type that just wanted to keep the party going? Like, let's not stop. Totally. <laughs> Totally. And, and yeah, and I think that feeling of loving everyone really translated into that, that, that sexual trauma and that, um, that need for love and approval from men. Right. And so for mm -hmm, me, it mm -hmm. was like, as soon as I had drugs and alcohol in my system, I wanted to find somebody to love and I wanted someone to love me back. And, and so that, that combination of that sexual trauma and that divorce in my parents' life really culminated in this deep desire to just find love, like anything to be loved, right. Anything right. to feel like I'm enough, 
like I'm desired and I'm loved. And so that, um, you know, that, that led, that lent itself really well into the sex industry. So I started dancing. I started stripping when I was 18. Um, Did just someone right introduce after my, you to that? Yeah. Yeah. She was so cool. She, her name was Liz and she was like, so beautiful and so cool. And, and she told me that it was going to be empowering. Like she told me that it was going right. to be, um, me taking control of my sexuality back, you know, me controlling men, um, me having the upper hand and that I would make all this money and I would feel so powerful. And I really believed that, you know, and, and early on, I would say it was that, you know, like I did my first amateur contest and I, um, and I won and I was like, oh my gosh, I have $300, which like felt like totally, so much. Totally, was, totally. <laughs> you know, I remember those guys, like, that's how I started stripping too like that you know, the amateur contests I was scared to death yeah. by the way I had to do a bunch of shots of tequila before I did totally. it totally you do have it to be drunk and high to do it oh yeah <laughs> there's no way you can do that sober and so I um yeah I thought like in the beginning it did sort of feel that way but pretty quickly once I started stripping and once I started dancing and, and just like entered that lifestyle like you said I had to be drunk and high to do it and I had to get real drunk and high to feel comfortable in it and then I started to realize wait as long as they're willing to pay for a dance I have to keep dancing and I remember there was this guy the godfather and he um and and I was the in godfather. the champagne room with him yeah they called him the like godfather a, was he like a rich trick or something or a rich buyer yeah he was Mexican yeah. mafia and he was a rich okay. buyer and so and he was the guy you know like he was the guy with wow. all the money in that town and he was the guy that kind of chose who who his favorite was and he would take good care of him and I was the new girl and I was pretty and so you know that didn't go well because all the other girls hated me and the godfather loved me and then you know that and but I remember the the first time I was like in the champagne room with the Godfather and he just kept putting down money and I had, I had to keep dancing. You know, there was no, like, I couldn't say to the Godfather, I'm done. I'm tired. My feet hurt. I don't feel like it. You're gross. Like, you know, and that Ooh, was when I realized, truth, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, gross. That was when I, yeah, you're gross. They're so gross. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and that was when I realized like, Oh, I'm not in control here. And, um, and this wow. is actually, this is, this is actually something that I, I don't like, I don't have the power. And, um, and so I kept getting so drunk and high and not showing up for work because I hated it because, because it was gross. Mm, right. And absolutely. I think like, even it didn't matter how drunk or high I got like that, that ick and that, that thing in me that knew like this, I don't have control. This is, this is yeah. a man controlling me. It just, I couldn't keep doing it. And so, right. um, so I got fired. I got, <laughs> I got fired from the spearmint rhino because <laughs> I kept getting drunk and high and not showing up for work. Um, Why do they call spearmint rhino by the way? Like it, I don't I get don't it. Yeah. Like, why is there is a, like, spearmint what? and then like, a, I mean the rhino, I understand. Cause like he has horns. I don't know. But like the spearmint part, like fresh. <laughs> horn, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. So you got fired. You, they fired you. They fired you. Like, you're like, you're like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that was like my first big failure in the sex industry. Um, and then, uh, and then about a year later, I ended up meeting my trafficker and, uh, mm. he saw me from across the room. We were at a party and I swear he saw into my soul and he was like, I see all your sexual trauma. I see your addiction. I see, um, I see all your, your pain and I see all your longing to be loved. And, and he knew and, um, and he, he came at me and, um, and that was it. Uh, you know, he was so charismatic and so charming and so cool. And, right. and, and he bonded with me instantly because, you know, he, he had had this life of crime and had been in and out of jail. And at that point I had been in and out of jail and it was like, oh my gosh, this man really understands me. Like he understands my pain. And, 
Um, and I felt so, I felt so seen and I felt actually really valued and really loved by him early on. Right. Um, and then pretty quickly there was other women and pretty quickly there was physical violence. And so those things I had to get used to them because I, I thought he was the only man who would ever love me and I would ever connect with like right. this. So, right. you know, what a shame, what a shame there's other women around, but I better get comfortable with it. And, um, yeah. And what a shame. He's and I'll violent, never leave but... him, but they might, right. They might leave yes. him, but I'll always be here for him. He's yeah, going to love me the best gonna, because yeah, I'm the real yeah. one, you know, like, I'm the wow. best one. I'm the, I'm the, what? I, yeah, I'm you the know, real one. I'm I, the I feel like totally. I feel like the devil plays the same hand to all of us women, right? Like, right. This guy loves you. This guy. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like we, 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 it's like, it's, uh, uh, yeah. I get so angry at Satan, you guys. Ugh. but yeah. okay. So then you're like, other women, I mean, come on. I mean, who in their right mind, Holly, who in their right mind will share a husband or someone, a husband to be or someone that you love with a bunch of other women? You had to be twisted in your brain to do that. Like, it's true. But I mean, I, I never would have. Yeah. 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 So, so, but you did feel loved by him to a certain extent in the beginning, right? I did. And, you know, and even, even when he started suggesting that, that he should, that, um, that other men would pay for me and that he wanted to start selling me, even when he started suggesting that the way he presented it was like, you're so valuable. Do you know how valuable you are? Other men would pay really good money for you. And it actually, the way he twisted it, it was like, you know, oh, you're so sexy. You're so hot. You're so valuable. We could get so much money for you. And it actually was, it felt like this loving thing. It felt like him helping me out. It felt like him seeing my worth and my value. And so in this really twisted way, it was like, I knew I had inherent value, right? Like there was something in me that knew I had value. And yet the world had sort of said, you have no value. You know, um, men had taken sex from me. There'd been rapes. There'd been, there'd been, you know, so many, uh, so many just, um, you know, those drunken nights where someone takes you home and takes advantage of you. I'd been taken advantage of for so long that this man saying you have value actually rang true in my spirit. There was something in me that was like, yeah, I think I do. I think you're right. I think I am valuable. Um, and, and so when he, when he put a number to that and started selling me, it, it felt good at first. It felt like mm -hmm. this is someone who sees my worth. This is someone who right. sees how special I am. And, um, you know, and then, uh, the same thing just happened again, you know, just like we talked about with the Godfather, it was gross. And, and I kept getting drunk and high and not showing up for the jobs he was lining up for me. And, um, and then that man kicked me out and I lost everything. And at that point I was 21 years old and I was homeless after my trafficker kicked me out and I was addicted and I was completely lost. And I was on the floor mm. of a public bathroom on February 10th of 2001. And I was watching my mm. tears hit the floor and I just said, God help me. And I'd never mm. believed in God. I had no experience with God. But that very night, I met someone who got me into a recovery program. And I've been sober since that day. And I've been wow. safe since that day. And, uh, and that was this invitation girl. into, thank you. It's just this invitation is, into this whole other life. Girl, I just, that just resonates so much with my spirit. And I'm sure anyone that's listening and watching right now, you might totally relate to Holly or me or whatever, but maybe you've never been in the sex industry. Maybe you've never been a stripper. Maybe you've never been a call girl or a prostitute or AKA hooker, but you can relate to the story. And yeah. I mean, meeting 
Jesus, I mean, isn't it a God thing? You said, God help me. And so how did you meet that person? Like, were they in the bathroom when you were, when you were like on the floor or what happened? No, I was at a party later that night. You know, I just went back to my life and, and the things I knew. I got up off that floor not knowing my life had been changed by that prayer. And I went to a party that night and I was just asking people. So my my I did a lot of survival sex even when I wasn't being trafficked. And sure. so I would I would go around. But the, and, that's still and, getting traffic, girl, just to let you know. Oh, yeah. Survival it's sex drugs, trafficking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just drugs trafficking you instead of a man, right? right? Um, but yeah, I was, I was going around that party and asking men if they had anything to drink and, you know, kind of doing my, my MO at that time, which was like, ask men if they had anything to drink, drink with them, go home with them, have a place to sleep. Cause I was, I was homeless at the time. And, and, um, and I asked him if he had anything to drink and he said he didn't drink. And I said, Oh, you just smoke. And, and he was like, no, I don't do that either. And, um, and I said, why not? And he said, it's a long story. And I said, I'd love to hear that long story about why you don't drink or use and, um, and he said, I'd love to tell it to you. And he, uh, we went downstairs to this little couch and he shared his entire story with me of how he had been an addict and an alcoholic. And, um, and he had, uh, and he'd met someone who, who had, who had found hope and who'd found God and who'd found sobriety. And that that person took him to, uh, an AA meeting and that he'd been sober since that day. And, uh, and he offered to take me to a meeting and, um, and I went with him that next day and I've been sober since that day. And so wow. it was a really special, just a total divine encounter. I mean, just, just, um, a, a moment that you can't, that only God, only God could have crafted that, that he would even use my, my, impetus for survival sex, right? Going up to men and asking, you know, if, if it had been a woman in the room who'd had hope, I wouldn't have even asked her, you know, but, um, but here it was a, a young man who, who had hope to offer me and, and me just going up in that, in that moment and asking for help in the way I thought I needed help. And he offered help in a way that was completely and radically life-changing. Wow. And then what, I mean, I know that, uh, when I said your secret sauce, because, I, I was like, how come I haven't met you before, Holly? Like, what is yeah. going on? Like, where have you been? I said to you earlier, where have you been, <laughs> Holly? Tell us what happened. I mean, obviously from where we are now, because we have, girl, we don't have much time left. So I want to yeah. talk about your sanctuary project. So tell yeah. us how that led up to you, your next great part in your life, which is married, a yeah. child, nonprofit, yeah. all that fun stuff. Yeah. So there's 20 years in between there. Right. And that, that 20 years was really just a journey of me healing. And I'm so grateful that I got to do that in hiding a bit. Um, and so, you know, I spent a lot of years in the recovery program and that recovery community healing. And then, and then I, I finally found out that that God that saved me was Jesus. And I spent a lot of years in the church healing and, um, and even working in vocational ministry and working as a worship leader. And then when my husband and I got married in, in 2016, um, I really felt the Lord telling me that it was time to start sharing my story. You know, I think when I was single and going through all this healing and, and, um, and really reestablishing who, who I was and, and finding my true identity in Christ, it's hard to be open about, a story like mine and a past like mine. And there were people who knew and people in my community yes. that knew, and obviously people in the recovery community that knew, but in terms of sharing it publicly, I didn't, I didn't feel ready. And I didn't know, I didn't know that yet that, um, that what I had, what is waiting for was sort of the completion of that, which is finding that healthy man and actually being in a relationship today that is loving and whole and, um, and good. And, uh, and I didn't, uh, I didn't even know that was possible, but I think in some ways that was the completion of the story I needed to 
feel launched into ministry of really, really working with other women and being right. that, that hope for them. So I started Sanctuary Project right after my husband and I got married and um, uh, started it in February of 2018 and really just started in a corner of my kitchen making jewelry and knew that God was going to bring women to me. And uh, and he did that pretty quickly. And, uh, and I started going to the jail in Travis County where we live and meeting women there who'd been trafficked and bringing them when they when they got out to work with me. And it's just been incredible over the last three years to see who God has brought. And we've provided more than, wow. uh, I think, four, 14,000 hours of employment now over the last three years. That's and, um, incredible. Yeah, wow. You know what? I, when you were saying that, going in the jails, and I feel like I, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I probably hopefully am right, that even before you started Sanctuary Project, the women were already coming to you asking you for yeah. advice and asking you for prayer and, you know, asking you for hope, show them some hope. And yeah. I, I think, you know, God is using that like powerfully, just your willingness. I, I love the fact that you, um, that you started making jewelry and you wanted to help others be employed and to give them a sense of worth. Not that yeah. employment does, but it's, we all know when you get out of the industry, where do you work at, Holly? Yeah. Where, do you, where do you go? Like, it's not an easy totally. fix. Like, let me go to Chick-fil-A and work there. It's like, yeah. let me go to McDonald's. But you you can't even relate to people in, you know, the fast food. Like, how do you act normal? Yeah. Because I remember I had a couple jobs after and I, girl, I hated them. I'm just being yeah. honest. How do you act because normal? I love that. I, I didn't yeah. know how to do it. And I didn't want to be in that place. And everybody that I talked to in my jobs, I don't know if this happened with you. I told everybody my story. And they, they once they found out mm -hmm. what happened to me, they were like. They're okay. horrified, right? They don't. <laughs> yeah. They don't yeah. know how to deal with us. It's <laughs> like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But it's beautiful yeah. because you give these ladies an opportunity to be employed, gainfully employed. But not only that, they know they're helping others. Yeah. And and they're part of this community, right? And they're getting healed, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and we like to say, this is a place you can cry at work. We bring our weird, you know? I mean, it's there are days when we're all like looking up each other's mugshots and laughing. And then there are days when we're like mourning the loss of someone's boyfriend who died of an overdose, you know? I mean, there are days where, where things can get so heavy and we can go there with each other because we've been there and we have that capacity and that right. that depth to, to really love each other well. And then there are days when we're able to just laugh at how ridiculous our lives were and we'll have like twerking competitions and we'll like, you know, and, and we'll, and we'll laugh about everything we've lived through. And, um, you know, and that there was like a guy named the Godfather in every city that, that we all had to grind on. And, you know, it's such a special, special place in that way. It's such a right. special community because we are truly safe. And, and I think that area of employment is the area that's been most perverted and destroyed in mm -hmm. that trafficking scenario. And so this is the very area I really believe God wants to fully redeem in our lives. That's so amazing. Can you share with everyone your website and how they can get a hold of you for the Sanctuary Project and the jewelry? And then I heard something, and maybe I'm stepping out of turn, but I heard that Target, Target yeah. picked up Target. your line of jewelry. Target. <laughs> I Girl. know it's so, it's so cool. It's so cool. It's <laughs> It's really exciting. God is so you know, good. I look, 
<laughs> he's so good. He's so good. I look around and I'm like this failed prostitute, you know, and now like I have a line of jewelry in Target. I mean, it's just nuts. Um, so like yeah, what devil? Uh, yeah, <laughs> go <exactly>. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you can, you can shop us on target.com everywhere. Um, we're on target.com all over the U S and, uh, and then you can shop, uh, you can shop us at sanctuaryproject.com. and, um, either way employs our women. When you shop at target.com, those orders come to us and we're still fulfilling them out of our headquarters in Austin. Wow. So, um, it's that money's not going to target. It's going to us. Target's just taking a small percentage, but they're yeah, hosting us on their platform right. so that we can, so that we can employ women, which is really special. That, and then, um, yeah, amazing. find us, find us on, on Instagram too. We're, we're active there. So, uh, come and join our tribe and, and all the designs. They're beautiful. I looked at them and they're thank simple you. and beautiful and elegant and yeah, uh, very, you. yeah, I love that. I love that things. you're using gold and metal and what, yeah, what that necklace, let me see that necklace, the, the longer this one, one? That the is little really yeah. pretty. Both of this them are beautiful. The, this is this is actually coming out this Friday. This is the unorthodox coin. Okay. Um, so we like to take sort of religious symbols and deconstruct them into something mm -hmm. um, that speaks to us and something that right. that just is a um, you know like a nod to the hope we've found and the faith we've found, um, but but in a way that's trendy and you know I really wanted right. to create a compassion a compassion jewelry line that was elevated and trendy and doesn't look like a lot of the compassion jewelry you see that's all beaded and feathers and you know and right. things like that. We right. really wanted it to look like something you would just find at Nordstrom. Right. That's so good. Now, I want you to say one more thing. We have a couple minutes. What would you say to one of our sisters that's mm -hmm. still out there, girl, and she's struggling so bad to find her self-worth? Would yeah. you give her a, a little bit of encouragement today? The thing I wish someone would have said to me when I was in that is that you have a future and it's good. You know, I, I was so sure in that moment mm. that this was all life was ever going to be and that I needed to just make it work and that I needed to just suck it up and be in it. And and I desperately needed someone to tell me you have a future and it's good. And so I want you right now to look at me, look at my face, look at my life, look at Annie, look at her face, look at her life and know that we are your future, that this can be your future, that there's a whole other life that's available to you. And we hope that you would reach out to one of us, both of us, and um, we'll pray for you, we'll pray with you, and we'll believe with you for that whole other life God has for you. That's so amazing, girl. I'm getting teary-eyed. I feel like you're a star, like you're an Esther, and God has Aww. positioned you to let the women know there's freedom there's freedom and hope in christ and yeah. this is your this is your banner of hope some of the jewelry your banner of hope on your mm. chest you know it's so beautiful yeah. girl you're you're so amazing holly i cannot wait to hug you in person i'll see you soon i know let's do that let's hug when it's really person. hot I, yeah. I warn you you need to wear shorts it's going to be hot but anyway okay um, any one more time how to get a hold of you your website find us at sanctuaryproject.com and if you guys want to go shopping, go there too and Target. Just go to Target.com yep. and it helps these women stay employed and get a great job with our friend, Holly Christine. Well, we love you here at Pink Chair and Aww, we're so thankful you that guys. you came on today and uh, God bless you, girl. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.
Hi friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here, the peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees? This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. And listen, your donation goes to a good cause and it's tax deductible. Thank you so much.